You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing the first 100 years of church music history in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod with Benjamin Kologi today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. All right, Benjamin, welcome back for, for another episode in this really fun series. I'm having a lot of fun learning this history. I hope you're having fun, too, sharing this <laughs> I'm history. always having fun talking about this with you. <laughs> yes. So we have been digging into the first 100 years of church music history in the LCMS. Mm-hmm. We've made it up to, where are we now in history? We've oh, Somewhere around the Turn of the century. Turn of the century, yes. Early 1900s. So, around the English transition. Yes, which means yeah. then we, we're starting to move into the Lutheran hymnal. That era as well. All right. Who are some of the key figures in church music history in this age and moving up to, what, the 1950s? So we've got, what, early 1900s up to the 1950s. Right. So this is actually, it gets surprisingly more complicated to talk about (laughs) this time period. Really? Yeah. For one thing, there's more information Oh, yeah. And there's more conflicting information, oh. and there's more controversy. Oh. And this is certainly <laughs> borne out in the records. I was dry this morning. I was going through the the records of of TOH compiled by Professor Pulak, and there's a lot of arguments in which hymns to include in this hymnal. Now, the, hmm. the, the, essentially, the first English language hymnal for the LCMS was 1912. There were there are antecedents to that in the late 19th century, certainly, but 1912 would be the first real official English language hymnal. But remember, most most LCMS Lutherans were not English speaking, so this was the English. What became like the English district that were publishing this because mm-hmm. there was finally a realization that there were some English speaking Lutherans out there that needed a hymnal of their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and interestingly, we talked about Walter's hymnal only having the texts. Yeah, most of the hymnals of the nineteenth century, no matter what denomination you're talking about, only had texts. Yeah, this one of nineteen twelve, the Evangelical Lutheran hymn, had had the 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 music with it, mm-hmm. which now TLH will have the music with it. And so it's I, – I say it's difficult to talk about because there's just so much to sift through. So I was looking through. There was – there's probably like four big boxes at CHI just with some correspondence on when they're creating the hymnal in 1941. And you also deal with people who – families are still around and yeah. people are very uh, – you know, they hold on to uh, their opinions for a while. So <laughs> – so this this it was important to have TLH published with the music finally although you you have hymns ancient and modern published mm-hmm. in England in the 19th century which is really the first hymnal of any wide distribution to have the music published with it so why the Lutherans didn't get on board earlier, you know, you can argue about it. I mean, I, I know why they didn't. It was it was much easier to have a small hymnal that you could carry around without the music. But there was precedence. But in the Lutheran ch- church, it took a long time to get to the music with the text. Mm-hmm. Hymns Ancient and Modern is a great, a great hymnal. We talk about that a lot on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. It comes up probably every hymn sing episode because, like, everything comes through that hymnal. Every English hymn that we know about basically comes through that hymnal. <laughs> it's great. That's for another Absolutely. episode, though. <laughs> so we're talking about 
1940s-ish or getting up to the 1940s-ish, what were some of the, the, the main things? Obviously, the, the creation of TLH. When did that, when did that actually start uh, becoming something that they were planning? Because obviously it was published in 1941. But how, in how the much 20s. About, in the 20s. Okay. So what was that? That's a long process. Well, just any hymnal is a long process. <laughs> That's true. I, that just is the case. Yeah. What was that? Who were the, the people that were influential in, in some of that process? Well, let's actually go back. I want to okay. go back. Okay. And and this actually takes us back to 1895. And okay. I, I know we shouldn't do that. I know we shouldn't do that. It violates our uniform principle. <laughs> but I, I want to talk about Friedrich Lochner. Oh, okay. You know Friedrich Lochner? Yeah. His, he had a son, Martin Lochner, who taught at, at Concordia River Forest. But... Friedrich Lochner wrote in 1895 a book called Der Hauptgottesdienst, the the chief divine service. And in it, he proposed how to sing the service, you know, how it should be chanted, what how how the pastor should chant, how the people should respond. He wasn't dealing so much with hymn, hymnody. He did that elsewhere. But the Hauptgottesdienst was really important. And this was, in 1895, this was coming about at the same time that the common service mm. was was also being developed or had been developed. So that was 1888. But Lochner comes up with this. So like we sing, the Lord be with you and with thy spirit. This is these are Lochner's tones, which he appropriates historically. They're not they're not his that he composes, but he collects them. They are not what Walter uses. Oh. Um so uh, Lochner is setting us another stra- strand of liturgical practice, which kind of informs T O H. In 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 T O H, if you you open your 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 TLH. You know that the the pastor s- says something. The Lord be with you, and the congregation responds by singing. Yeah. Or that's not the case in LSB, right? Because you have. Right. But but it was meant TLH. Those responses were meant to be s- sung. It just didn't quite make it into the book, so there was confusion once it got out to the parish. Yeah. There was there was a, a a book published the liturgy. The music for the liturgy, I think it was it was called, and it had all of that in it, and it 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 goes back to to Lochner and Lochner's scholarship. It 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 sets it's that strand of scholarship that sets itself apart from what Walter was doing in in his liturgy. So I I just want to give Friedrich Lochner credit where he's due. And another thing, I was in his archives this morning, and Friedrich <laughs> Friedrich Lochner wrote the most beautiful, drew drew these lovely little pictures. He was trained as an artist in Germany. And he, he there's pictures of horses and cats. And, 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 and it got me thinking how, how smart these people were. Yeah. That's not to take anything away from modern people. But, <laughs> but he was, Friedrich Lochner was so creative, not only in his theologizing and his creating of liturgy, but in his... Works of visual art. I had, it was, there's paintings in there. There's there's all manner of of wonderful creations. <laughs> and it just got me thinking how these people, all the people that we've talked about up till now, have just been so creative. 
And one of the reasons I've I've engaged in this research is because there's still plenty of creative people out there doing their thing today. And I hope that that studying these people encourages them. I hope I'm one of them, encourages me and you to to be creative about our approach, not only with our with our with our music but our theologizing, you know, to 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 think critically, but but based on based on the past, you know, a knowledge of the knowledge of scripture, knowledge of gospel, knowledge of the confessions, knowledge of the hymns that came before, mm-hmm. how people sing. You know, we 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 don't exercise freedom just with with no discipline. You know, we do it with the knowledge of what happened before, and then to expand that. You know. Hmm. All right, Lochner. Who else would we like to look at or learn about in our time together today? The, toward the end of this time, there's a fellow. His name is Edward Ed, Edward Recklin, R E C H L I N, and he's a major concert organist in the LCMS. So he 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 dies in 1961. So he's a bit outside of our bounds. Most of his career is done by 1950. So I can include him, <laughs> and. Uh, he was actually the first musician, organist, who trained not only outside of the LCMS, but outside of America. Wow. He studied with Alexandre Guimont and Charles-Marie Vidor in Paris. Whoa. We were, if you know your organ music, <laughs> you know those are very important composers yeah. of the 19th century. And he studied with – this is very unusual because – Generally, in the 19th century, you went to Lutheran grade school and Lutheran seminary or the Addison, you know, something like that, and then mm-hmm. taught in a Lutheran school, and you never saw anything but, but Lutheranism. And he dared to go outside of Lutheranism for his training, and he was quite successful. He he concertized all over the United States, mostly in Lutheran churches, but his his goal was to bring back the music of not only Bach, but the other composers who wrote on the Lutheran chorale. So he was really focused on music of the Lutheran chorale. Not, you know, if you know the music of Bach, you know he wrote preludes and fugues and apostolia and all sort of wonderful things. But Requiem wasn't so much interested in that. He was interested in the chorales because he was interested in communicating those texts. He realized the the import that those texts conveyed, the gospel. He was... He was a bit of a difficult guy. He 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 made a lot of enemies because he had a very strong personality, like many musicians do. It was just mm. easy for that to happen. But in 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 so doing, he he really he, he saw himself as an evangelist of the gospel through music, and he did that through music based on chorales. So these chorales that were so important to Walter in 1847 that he had to compile this hymnal and distribute it to the Senate, you know, they're still important in the first half of the 20th century when Reclean is has gone to Europe. He's tasted this, this he, he talks about his apartment in Paris and discovering all these things. And he said, this is so beyond what I've experienced as a Lutheran. You know, I've experienced farms and a little bit of St. Louis, but nothing like Paris. That was so new to him. But yet, when he came back, he was grounded on the chorales. He'd experienced the world, but he still realized that these chorales and the texts that they that they contain 
are the gospel. And so he set out to be a musical evangelist. He was only semi-successful. And I say that because it's really hard to find. I have not found any recordings of him. Um, huh. He had different phases. He, he taught uh, and he kind of he kind of burned himself out toward the end. But um, he really did accomplish a lot of things and all centered around hymns. So we're talking today about about church music, education, and it, it kind of all is based on how your congregation sings on a Sunday morning, you know, doing that as best you can. We are learning about the first 100 years of church music history in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod with Benjamin Colotti. We will continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are taking a look at the first 100 years of church music history with Benjamin Kloji. He's church organist and musicologist and friend here at The Coffee Hour <laughs> because he is spending time with us. He's dedicated oh, lots of time to help us learn this this. Important and and interesting church history Mm -hmm. from the church music perspective. All right. So we left off with, oh. Recline. Thank you, Recline, who went to France, went to Paris. Studied with Vidor, of all people. And came back and had an an impact on (laughs) church music in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. You said you haven't found any recordings of him. Of his music. Well, I should say I found one recording. I it I it was a it was a essentially a, a silent movie for which he wrote background music. Huh. And so I found that music. I'm not exactly sure how that would how that is applied. Whether that was sent out in silent <laughs> movie fashion to another organist to play, mm-hmm. or whether he ultimately recorded it somehow when that process. So I, I don't know. That actually brings up he was very creative, you know. Hmm. How 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 can you spread the gospel through music? And uh, he was pretty good at that. I've with the silent movie and a company about about Luther's uh Luther's Reformation. So that's the only music I found of his, sadly. All right, so we're in, in the, the, the final part of the 100 years that you're studying. Who are some of the other people or events that you've found so far that are, are interesting and, and relevant? So maybe this is a good way to conclude because this is kind of where we started. Okay. And I would say I had mentioned this project of mine started with Connie Seddon, whose mm-hmm. father was Walter Buzine. Yeah. And Walter Buzine was a Lutheran musicologist, musician. He actually went and studied at uh, Union Theological Seminary in New York City. So his training was 
initially in the LCMS, then outside of it, and then he returned. And we owe to him uh, this increasing importance of knowing no musicology. So musicology is basically a scientific study of music. So it's the composers, the authors, how they relate together, the application of church music to any particular situation. And Walter Bazin was basically the first musicologist we had had. Now hmm. we talked about these people from Addison. They would write all the time. They wrote all the time the Schulblatt, but it was practical. Mm. It was all practical. Organists do this. You appreciate Bach more. Here's maybe a bit about Bach's life. They they were good about that. But in terms of studying music and how to apply it, Walter Bazin was really the first one. He's out of the scope of my context because he his career is quite much of it happens after 1950. But he brings to us an appreciation for where our music comes from. It's not just music that we say our choir sings on Sunday morning and it's love, a lovely anthem. Well, that's nice, but what do we know about the composer? What are, what can the composer composer's context, historical and musical, tell us, inform us about how we perform the piece? And that's not just for no reason. The point is so that that music can come alive and spread the gospel. So it's a scientific approach in the service of the gospel. And so Walter Buzin really should be given credit more credit in the LCMS than he often gets. There, he, he, there is a book, a biography written of him by Kirby Koriath, which covers him very well. And his daughter, Connie Seddon, has a number of books she wrote for the Concordia Historical Institute uh, about his life. So he's well covered, but yet I, I'm, I'm afraid we don't give him as much credit as... As an example, and this may be a little bit abstract, but in 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 early years, it, say in English, we're talking about English, so 1930s, 40s, in church bulletins, you would see the Bach chorales or any German chorales in English, translated in English. Mm-hmm. You'd never see them in their original language. Hmm. But Walter in Walter Buzin's, his effect on us, he, he, he compelled us to think, well, we need to go back to the original language because that kind of makes more sense, you know, then translate it from there. So huh. put put in the original text with the translation because the original text is important from a, from a understanding point of view. And, and, and you see that elsewhere too. This kind of happens outside even of Lutheran circles before, before the 1940s, 50s, you'll see all, all the crowd preludes in English, and then you begin to see them in German with a translation. Huh. So that's musicology in action. That's so cool. Any other key figures that you want us to recognize or acknowledge in the remaining like six minutes that we have? <laughs> well, this is an ongoing study. So yes. I have a number of people that I am looking forward to exploring. And I, I should say that Concordia Historical Institute has been very helpful, and we should avail ourselves of of what they offer. I've just that's I've been down there this week, and they just have so much. The archives of for the LCMS, there's just a lot of riches down there. So I I, I just encourage people to go see what they're very friendly. They don't bite. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun to go down there. I, 
I, I'm I'm discovering things about my my people that I'm that I'm researching. I I didn't know this about Lochner and his wonderful paintings, and yeah. he had he had sons. Who, one was Louis Lochner, who who was a World War Two journalist and photographer and, wow. and for the AP and there's his pictures that he took of kings and queens in there and I, it's so easy to get distracted I have to remind <laughs> myself okay focus focus but but these sort of things that that give us an entire picture of who these people are I think that's that's what I'm trying to do you started asking me about the framework of this and it's the people you get at the you get at the theology you get at the practice you get at all this other stuff through their lives and their families and their approach and their background and you do that by all this ancillary material sorting through this it gives you a picture of who they are so i would just like to give credit where credits due that chi is a wonderful resource for the lcms yeah, and they have a whole like reading study area. You can just like sit and nerd out to your heart's desire, which is just wonderful. So, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, in the, in our final few minutes together, what are you looking forward to? Because you're are you you're you're kind of in the midst of this now. What are you looking forward to? What's kind of next on on your research horizon? Who are you? Some of the people you're digging into some more of the things that, that you want to study that you haven't quite gotten to yet. There's two people, Hasse and Stelzer from Concordia Seward. Okay. I have not done them yet. Hasse actually was the first to write individual chorale preludes on all the hymns in TOH. Oh. And actually they're over at Washington University. I need to figure out how to get into that library because I want to see them maybe <laughs> later today. I don't know. So we'll figure out if I can get in there and look. So I haven't done anything on Concordia Seward. They were later, of course, because yeah. uh, River Forest started with Addison. They were the, really the first teachers college. Not not really. They came from other things. But Seward, Seward was was later, so there's not as much history there. But those two people are very important, and I need to still research research them. Okay. So we didn't invent the teacher, the Lutheran teacher. <laughs> we just trained them. Got it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, this has just been fantastic history for us to learn. Thank you so much for being willing to share it, to share it with us. And I know that you'll be documenting all that you're uh, learning and researching and we'll be sharing it in some format and some medium uh, in the future. <laughs> but we appreciate that you have just been willing to share all this history and this knowledge with us mm -hmm. as well. And we might have had a little fun along the way. <laughs> we definitely did. Thanks for listening to me. It's great to have a platform. <laughs> it's been fascinating. Our guest for this series is Benjamin Kologi. He's church organist and musicologist. Great friend. Thanks so much for spending time with us on The Coffee Hour. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.